Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! I sure did, but if I drop this fucking thing, you got me on destruction of property, too. Drop it!
What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 218 of the Bone Bash Show. This is Steve. And this is Gord. How's it going, man? Oh, Steve, yes. it's hot. It it's is going hot. hot. Do you know how, how often I record the show shirtless? Not often. Oh, I, I'm shirtless from like 71 degrees on up to, I don't even know. That's I'm wearing cargo shorts, no shirt. That is that is my outfit. I'm as naked as I'm comfortable getting on the show. <laughs> I, because it's freaking hot. It was 94 skin, degrees today in Redmond. And That's it doesn't get people. 94 degrees here in Redmond very often. So it's smoking hot. Yeah. I finally was going to run my AC today. Yeah, it was not meant to be. No, I'm just, I'm just sweating it out, Steve. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, what are we listening to anyway? A band that is also smoking hot from right here in Seattle, Colony Drop. They've got a brand new album coming out on August 25th called Brace for Impact, and it's freaking great. Chock full of bangers. Totally dig this album, and uh, it's an honor to have the chance to feature him on the show. I got to see them live back in January. I went out to check out our friends in the Accused AD, like you do, and uh, they were playing with Colony Drop, and this band totally blew me away. So uh, I've been excited to hear their full album, and now that I have, uh, I'm totally impressed with it, and thrilled to share it with our audience. We open the show with Stand Against the World, and uh, we're going to have more tunes from Brace for Impact, as well as a chat with Ben and Ryan, the high-speed twin lead team from Colony Drop. So this whole thing is going to be freaking cool. I'm Absolutely. excited, man. I'm, wait, hold on. Get another, yes. Doing something on my phone. I'm good. I'm back. I'm, I'm with you, Steve. What were you doing on your phone, man? Somebody DM'd me, and I had to respond to it. I don't a have a lot. Yeah, got a notification. <laughs> like, can't, do, can't talk. Podcasting. You know, yeah. It's like, you like since I got the new phone, I'm, I'm always messing around with notifications and fine-tuning things and adjusting things. You know, it makes me wonder, like, what, what are the essential apps that you need to have on your phone or that you use most often? Well, I mean, there's, there's basically the, the Google the universe, the navigation and the messaging and the, the mail stuff because I'm on a, on a droid. Are you talking to like beyond? Yeah. Beyond yeah. that for like, phone what apps? You, what are phone you apps, most likely apps? if you're, if you're going to be distracting yourself on your phone, what are you distracting distracted. yourself with? I'm distracted now because apps we've, we've taken to calling all software that we use apps now. And there's no way to distinguish if it's Something you're using on your PC or something you're using on your phone. You don't say phone app. That's just too cumbersome. I don't know what to say. Uh, FAPs. It? Why don't we call them FAPs? Just what? for the sake of this argument. What right, are your go-to at, FAPs, Gord? My, let me tell you about my FAPs, Steve. Right, right now, the only FAPs I really have beyond the Google and the uh, Instagram and the Facebook direct messaging thing our uh, kitty kitty letter that's what it is a little game from the from the oatmeal i'll play that occasionally i mean that's that's something i play solo you can play with someone else but i'm fapping alone i'm not fapping <laughs> is that a, i is don't that even a, fap with you is that really. a play on words of uh kitty litter kitty letter i should hope so yeah because it it involves cats it involves spelling out words with letters so i'm playing kitty letter that's my right. that's my my go-to fap Got beyond it. the uh, beyond the news and the you know the Google and the 
really don't do threats very much. <laughs> okay. You consider Duolingo, uh, you, you consider that, that you do a lot of fapping. With <laughs> yeah, that's a, a phone app, a fap that I use often. I often fap to Duolingo. You know, we went to Germany in the spring. Yeah. And so for like six months before that, I was, my wife had already been fapping using Duolingo because she wanted to learn Spanish so that she could watch 30 Coins, that really cool, creepy show I mentioned to you previously from HBO. Yeah. And so uh, that kind of got her started. And then she switched over to German when we were going to go visit her family in Germany back in May. And then uh, now we're going to actually go visit uh, Mexico City in September. So we switched uh, both back to Spanish. So she's back doing Spanish. And I only took two years of Spanish with you literally sitting next to me <laughs> yes. in Senora Cardosa's class in, at Wairica High School. And to think and, we're both uh, fapping to Spanish years later that's together. Right. And so, so uh, now I'm back on the Spanish. So I, I, a little owl is teaching me how to speak Spanish poorly. That you know, the Senora Cardosa, she taught you to speak Spanish well. I think. Well, she was she was underrated. I think. Mas bien que uno <laughs> estudiantes. <laughs> let's put it. Yeah, you did far better than in Spanish <laughs> than I did. I probably did more fapping, but probably wasn't so. a phone involved. Let's see what else. Uh, so game wise, I, I've got a couple of like daily games other than Duolingo. I, I still play Marvel Puzzle Quest for some reason at this Jeez. point. I think it's like a comfort app. I don't know why <laughs> I still play app. it. That's uh, just I also your, play your uh, Iron Maiden's app. Legacy of the Beast. That's another one of those games where you kind of collect all the eddies and you, you fight monsters. And that's kind of fun. What's cool about it is all the soundtrack is Iron Maiden tunes. So hearing little snippets of like, you know. The evil that men do or running free. That's that's super fun. Uh, so I enjoy that. And then uh, I just started playing Tacticus, which has been out a year. It's a 40K gotcha game. So uh, you, you collect, obviously, different races. It's a turn-based strategy game where you fight against all of the different races in the Warhammer 40K world. And uh, it's free to play, but, you know, there's time limits and stuff like that. But that's pretty fun so far, so I'm enjoying that. And so, then, uh, you know what, my, the biggest apps, though, Bandcamp, all the shit that you buy on Bandcamp, you have a digital version so you can listen to it on, your, on the app or the phone, so that's a great fap. And then uh, Shudder, man, for horror movies is absolutely essential, so those are the faps that uh, I roll with. Now, I don't mean to diss your fapping, but <laughs> okay. I believe you're mispronouncing Tacitus. No, I think it's Tacticus. I think. Why would it be? It, because it's tactics. tactics. Oh, it's not T-A-C-I? Okay. Confirmed. It is Tacticus along the I, lines of tactics, like wartime tactics. Yeah. I was thinking of the Roman historian, Tacitus. <laughs> so don't question me. <laughs> like you do. About. Excuse it me. me off, which reminds me. Gordon, what pisses you off, man? Oh, Steve, let me tell you. Besides the freaking heat which doesn't normally piss me off, but it does today because I finally decided to run my air conditioner. First time this whole freaking year. I've got a house with a lot of insulation. I dip in the pool. I, I walk around, as we've mentioned, wearing very little clothing. So I don't feel the need to turn on the AC. It cools off at night. I turn on the fan. In the morning, I close up the windows, keep that night cool air inside. Doesn't work if it's hot at night. So I, I went to go turn on the AC, 
AC's broken. Spoke, man. And guess who's really busy right now? AC repair <laughs> AC people. people. Oh, yeah. 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 Now, like the only one I could even get on the phone when they finished laughing. They're like, oh, yeah, we'll put you on the waiting list, buddy. Yeah, Took I know. I had to get her that, that uh, big uh, heat wave we had a couple of years ago where it got like 116 degrees here. Yeah. I tried to go get a bar fridge repaired during that time. And <laughs> that was the same thing. It was like, we've got restaurants that can't like keep their shit cold. So, yeah. Uh, I'm like, that's fine. Just get to it when you can. So I was at the the bottom of that list. <laughs> As part of my day job, I do sell industrial re- uh, fluid refrigeration systems for big-ass printing presses. And we're having a run on those things right now because uh, the old ones are failing in this in this heat. So good for business, bad for me, like, bitching-wise because I'm just bitch, 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 bitch. I am too hot, man. Pisses me off, Steve. I even tried to take it apart and find like, oh, this is the part that's broken and went and found the part and replaced it in the 190 degree sun today. That wasn't the part. No, (laughs) I don't know what I'm doing. I shouldn't be allowed to touch tools. I'm sorry. What about you? Speaking of tools, Steve, what pisses you off? Well, in, in addition to it being like, you know, crazy hot right now. The whole nation is dealing with the heat wave uh, and we just got it. So, you know, we're, we're not as unfortunate as many, many people who that are probably listening to this show right now. But uh, the other bane of my existence right now, dude, is this a banner year for spiders at your house? No, spiders are like normal spidery. Oh my God. It's like my back deck is Shelob's lair. (laughs) Julie, literally, she went out and she bought some new chairs for the deck yesterday afternoon and she set them on the deck and I just went out there to eat dinner and there was like a full spider web between one of the chairs she bought yesterday and the smoker and not like just a couple of strands it was like a full dream catcher <laughs> looking spider web and they're that's, all that's over the freaking place and i've got a you know the deck has a bar on it and we've got chairs and an umbrella and we like to eat breakfast and lunch out there it's a, a fine place have some spiders out. with your breakfast and it's just covered in spiders right now it is just absolutely the worst you can't walk out there you get a face full of cobwebs and you're wondering, you feel like they're crawling all over you. They probably are of right now. you're naked because it's 95 degrees out. So you're like, ah, I'm covered in spiders. It's like. That's better than wearing clothes and having to try as, to fish them out. It's as close as you can be to a junkie without being a junkie. Having a lot of spiders is good because it keeps down on the mosquitoes and the bugs, you know, that you don't want. Because spiders, they're messy, but they're not going to mess with you. These aren't like aggressive really? attacking spiders. They might bite me and suck my blood. I don't know. I that don't that's think true. so. No, they don't. They don't suck or your blood. Or they might be radioactive, and they might. There give me is powers. that. You might get powers. Yeah. So. You might become spider podcaster. Anyway, the the sheer number of spiders right now in, around my house is staggering, and it really pisses me off. And I know you pay no attention to living things you can't eat, so you probably don't know what kind <laughs> yes. of spiders well, these are. they were like a bunch of pigs or something or yeah. cattle Cows. that I could convert directly into tacos. But I don't know. It's not easy to make spiders into tacos. It takes a lot of spiders to make a spider taco. a lot taco. of spiders. That's right. Probably delicious, though. They probably are. Who'd know? Hmm. I can't catch you them. You ought to try. Well, you got so many, just scoop them up with a snow shovel. What do you have a snow shovel for? It's... Freaking you 95 degrees. I mean, yeah, exactly. Why? What else are you going to use it for? Scooping spiders into your taco. All right. Enough of that nonsense. All so right. we have a contest. 
that we need to make good on, sir. All right, let's do it. Let's make good on it. All right, so uh, you may recall last episode, we were speaking with Bill from Run Out Groove Records, and he came up with three prize packs with seven heavy metal albums each from Run Out Groove, and uh, we were going to give those away. And how you got to enter this contest was send your name, address, and title of your favorite song we played during Jumbo Bonus July from Midnight, Thomas Andrew Doyle, Sorsha or Zodiac Mind Warp and the love reaction to uh, our email to be entered the drawing. The drawing is happening right this instant. So you may remember the sound of this, Gord. This is the <laughs> the official Bone Bat plastic canister that we do our our raffle drawings oh, every I year have, during the film I have festival. irritated you so many times with that. Yeah, usually this is filled with red tickets that Gordon is dumping all over the floor. They're tossing like some sort of willy-nilly. Yeah. And uh, right now it's got a bunch of pieces of paper with uh, names on it. So I'm going to pull out the first winner. Are you ready? No, Drum but roll, please. lay it on me. All right. The first winner of our contest is Stuart Diamond. Right on. What a blast from the past, man. That guy. Wow. Stewie D. Yeah. So uh, he and uh, his partner, Jay, started a podcast around the same time that the Bone Bat Show did. and uh, So I've known these guys for a really long time. And uh, it's very cool to uh, see him pop up when he entered in the contest. Here's what he had to say. Uh, his favorite song from July was Prime Mover by Zodiac Mind Warp. He says, I'm very upset I never heard of these guys back in the day because now I want to listen to all their music. I guess I was still stuck in my rap phase back then and then shifted to mainstream big hair metal. Anyway, I'm super glad I found them now. Better late than never. Our right work is done. On Stewie D. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. He has a new podcast. It's no longer the Obscure 80s podcast. Uh, the new podcast is called the Mixtape Podcast, and you can find that where uh, finer podcasts are kept. Okay, number two. Do it. Do it. Do it. Oh, wait. Drum roll. It really sounds nothing like a drum. Winner number two, Eric Morgretz. Nice. Right I know that on. guy. Yeah, Eric Morgret, who is the uh, programmer of the Crypticon Film Festival, longtime friend, also the co-host of Strange Eons Radio, an all-around swell fellow. Uh, he has to say the following. One of my favorite bands for a period was Zodiac Mind Warp and The Love Reaction. They faded for me, and I didn't know how much they had done and how they disappeared. Excellent band to talk about. That makes this an easy selection Prime Mover, of course, off Tattooed Beat Messiah. That was the album. Right on. All right. I, I just threw that on the floor, Gord. You'll be happy to oh, know. Oh, that is slip, fantastic. Okay? And now, our are you going to get final mad at yourself? Winner, our third winner of the Wait, maybe I can... Run Out Groove prize pack is Kevin Deers from Seattle. Fantastic. Okay. Here's what Kevin had to say. I dug the song Prime Mover. Had <laughs> never heard them before. <laughs> right on. So you see, that's huh. why I wanted to do that episode, man. Because I, I, Prime I Mover, felt like Zodiac Mind Warp had been forgotten about. And that just makes me happy that more people are listening to them again in a, a way because we helped that happen. So very cool. So Kevin, Stewie, and Eric, uh, I'm going to send your names and addresses to Billy, and he is going to mail out your prize packs directly from Run Out Groove. So uh, if I get some tracking from him or something like that, I will forward that to you. But uh, thank you for entering, and congratulations. Dude, Tune.
tune. Let's, Let's listen, listen to, to a, a tune, tune, Steve. All right, from Colony Drop or C Drop, as they are known colloquially, and the brand new album Brace for Impact on Nameless Grave Records. This is the lead cut, the absolute wrecking tune. Colony Drop, Brace for Impact. Brace for Impact. <laughs> Once again, that was the title cut from Colony Drop's brand new release on Nameless Grave Records. And joining us now on the show, I am thrilled to introduce Colony Drop's high-speed twin lead team, Ben Burton and Ryan Moon. Hello, gentlemen. Welcome to the show. Howdy, howdy. Thank you so much for making time to speak with us. Yeah, of course. So uh, I uh, had the chance to see you guys in January at one of the last Barhouse shows. And I hadn't heard a Colony Drop before, and you guys were amazing. 
Uh, I've been like a fan of twin lead guitar since, you know, Iron Maiden stuff going back to high school. And so to see a band just scorching like you guys do, that was so much fun. And I was thrilled when uh, I saw that you had the full length album coming out. So uh, here at the Bone Bass Show, we're big fans of comic books and things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about Colony Drops origin story? So the band itself was started because um, Ben, Joseph, and myself had actually played music with each other prior to this. Um, In true dorky comic book fashion, Ben and I actually met uh, bonding over the fact that he speaks Japanese and I was taking a trip to Japan. And we're both uh, boxers, so we were bonding over some boxing animes and talking about that and i was working at a local music store at the time and he came in wearing a a grindcore t-shirt of a a band called plf that i recognized and i was like oh that's insanely cool (laughs) our tastes line up way too much we probably need to play music together and he had been playing with uh with his friend at the time joseph and that band kind of fizzled out okay and uh, didn't really go anywhere. We, we had some disagreements with another member, and it just kind of petered during what was it the pandemic or was it pre-pandemic that we what? that we started jamming with Joseph again? Um, it was pre-pandemic, so okay. it, was, it was 2019. I'm pretty sure, maybe the early summer of 2019. We just met the three of us um, and to talk we about. Were, yeah, we were hanging out and just like getting sushi. I think. Yeah, yeah, we were getting sushi, and then we're like, "Let's do this. Let's make a, let's make a band that is like super fun. Feels like we're watching a shonen anime, giving us that energy and that excitement that we enjoy from that stuff." And um, you know, Ryan had all these demos of kind of, um, kind of exactly what I wanted to play too, which was like, we all really liked grindcore, so we liked fast music, but we also like melodic riffs. Mm-hmm. So like. The speed and energy of grindcore, but with the like composition and melody of you know cool leads and it's kind of groovy parts, and that was exactly what I was like interested in playing. So like we were all down. We just needed a drummer, okay, uh, to start playing together. And because of this fantastic music store I worked at, a dude who had just moved back here from Philadelphia walked in wearing, uh, I think it was a Yauja T-shirt. Uh, an obscure or maybe they're not super obscure anymore they're signed to relapse they're old buddies of mine from the east coast and they're fucking awesome and i was like oh dude that band kicks ass and i noticed he was buying drumsticks and i was like do you play (laughs) drums uh, you know it was just kind of like a serendipitous thing because we really need somebody to come shred with us kind of like i get enough like-minded people in the same room you know and even yeah sure because Luke, the, the, you know, Eric's not, his tastes are so much more kind of eclectic than ours and spread out. He's not, I think, centrifugally focused on kind of the like pyrotechnic guitar leads, but he just fit in so insanely well. Well, and I like the fact that the anime theme was there from the start that that was what you were bonding on it wasn't necessarily that you bonded on music and then got to that that was intrinsic in the band from the get-go yeah i i think that it's it's more that just it's really funny because i i am in another band that for a while was touting ourselves as seattle's only anime grind band (laughs) Um, what is the name of that band i'm in a band called turian as well okay yeah, I think that more so it's it's kind of a thing where 
we are all such strong, goofy personalities that no matter what we liked, it would have probably seeped its way into the music. It could have been fishing, and I probably would have found a way to like incorporate, you know, fly fishing themes into the music. That would be yeah, Eric. A flying, uh, yeah, bee, that is fly that's Eric master. basically. <laughs> that is actually a grindcore crossover because Discordance Axis does the Sega bass fishing theme yes. as a cover. <laughs> Well, it's interesting because I was already, you know, familiar with through like the nerdcore angle with bands like Bit Brigade and uh, Metroid Metal, who also do like, you know, very nerdy metal stuff that I'm a big fan of. So it was really cool to bump into a band doing something based around Gundam. Yeah, I mean, we're we're all huge video game dorks, too. I, in my spare time, used to compose video game music and Did stuff. You really? that was Right on. Yeah, and it's not, it's not anywhere near good, but I got really into uh, rally car games with all the, the crazy guitar stuff on them, and I would try to write music like that for a while. Super cool. That's awesome. Yeah. We got to talk about Ari, though, because uh, Ari oh, came yes. in. Oh, yes, your bass player. Yeah, so don't forget Ari. <laughs> but uh, we were playing uh, as just two guitars and drums for a while, uh, and then the pandemic hit. And so we were just kind of either pulled up and then eventually practicing together. And we made like a series of demos, probably two sets of demos of just songs as we sort of were looking for our sound. Um, and eventually kind of came to what we're playing now and what you hear on the album. But we were having trouble finding a bass player. And then Joe kind of put word out and um, he knew Ari through their writing connection because mm. Joe does writing and Ari is also a writer. And so, like, Ari heard our demo, and I guess, um, basically, our first impression of Ari was he listened to the songs from our demo uh, and then recorded his own bass lines over it without us ever showing him the songs or even meeting him. Really? And then basically sent us his recordings of playing the bass, all learned by ear, and then, like, at that point, he was already in the band before we had even met him. It, it wasn't even a. It wasn't even an audition. He told us basically, "I'm begging you." He, I think he said that to Joseph to to the effect of, "I have to play in your band." Yeah, that's a hell of an interview. Yeah, like, you gotta yeah. love the initiative, right? Oh, and I, I just took the liberty of uh, playing bass to all your songs. Yeah, and that's when we fantastic. met him, he came into the practice space. And I think we played like five or six songs in here, <laughs> based on all of them. Like that was how we met Ari. And then it's so interesting to get to know Ari because he's a uh, he's been around and he's been in a lot, lived in a lot of places and played a lot of music. And he just has a story for every single band. He's like played with every big band, and he's just kind of this like I can't even be surprised anymore when he says like, oh yeah, I, I remember back in. 1990, I, put, I opened for that band. <laughs> so when, when I was hanging out with Nikki Six's wife, uh, or when know. I was tutoring um, the uh, singer Mike Chemical Romance's son in English, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> he's got a story for. But also, this is by and large the only band I think he's played in that's even remotely close to this. I, I, oh, okay. I think so. He's like kind of like you a singer songwriter. Oh yeah, for okay. sure. He's he's extraordinarily accomplished. He's done singer songwriter stuff. He plays kind of uh, right now in a group called Stav, which is kind of artsy, kind of desert rock, okay. stonery stuff. He's he comes from like a, a a pop like power pop background, and he can do virtually anything under the sun. Yeah. But then all of a sudden he's like, "Hey, I want to play bass in a thrash band." <laughs> and man, does he play bass? That's we. We really were intentional about the very first song. The very first song, Colony Drop, starts with just Joe screaming and Ari jumping right into a bass line, bass solo. 
So Love we just it. wanted to give Ari like a moment in the sun and like open up our music with like, you know, Ari shredding on the bass before the album, you know, takes, you know, explodes. That's great. Yeah, you, you can, his, his contribution to the sound is, is great. Uh, it stands out. You've got that one soft little intro with a heart wrench, I think. A uh, heartfelt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard that. And then I went back and played it again with the, you know, with the volume up just mm-hmm. when the bass comes in. It's, it's super tough. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a that's one of my favorite moments actually. <laughs> that, that was just a complete happy accident. We were just like, "What the the bass is so crazy loud right here! It's awesome." Yeah, Fantastic. yeah it works. Yeah. You have to be you have to be careful with that kind of thing because I, I mean, like having somebody who's maybe a little bit more agile or like melodically driven the way that he is, because we don't actually do a ton of one person's playing like lead one person's playing rhythm mm-hmm. usually the both of us are pretty phonetic as we're playing and he he can kind of hold in a lot of bass and melodic and rhythm guitar content on his own it's really awesome and it leaves us a lot more space to kind of do more fun things almost the way phil Lynott worked in thin lizzie more than like I don't know, let's say Carcass or something like that. Nice. So Ari's not just part of the rhythm section. He's kind of the glue that holds you guys together. Ari, in my opinion, the most underrated bassist in metal. Um, Probably (laughs) because no one knows him yet. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's about to change with this new album, I think. So why don't you tell us how the album came together? I'm assuming that the pandemic sort of did what it did to everyone, which is you can't really play live, so you've got to sort of reboot. Were you guys writing during that whole time or workshopping? Or like, how did this album come together? We were, we were pretty, yeah, we were pretty careful too, though. We kept our circles pretty closed mm-hmm. so that if it wasn't someone who we were involved playing music with, we were probably not in contact with them mm-hmm. so that, cause we also, the, our band, my, my other band and colony drop share a practice space. So everybody was just really easy to just, okay, we'll just meet up when we can. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we kept writing and we, uh, we got a lot of material done really quickly, honestly. Like, I think we've been playing these songs for more than three years. Yeah. The songs kind of, it kind of began with Ryan's demos of some stuff he made in the past. And so, like, the songs like Remade and Clockwork Grip and Heart Ranch and specifically those three are coming from, like, uh, demos that Ryan did in the past that changed a lot. They were um, from 2013. Yeah, oh, wow. old songs. Okay. Those are old songs. But they really changed um, from from his demos, and they went through different permutations as we were playing together. Because we just all the only thing we could do was just write these songs and then demo them in our space, and then kind of sit back and think, well, what do we want to do different? And then like the guillotine was also kind of mutated from that short project that Ryan and Joe and I had initially together, and that also changed. And then. I started to feel like uh, more confident in like bringing riffs to the band, so I started bringing some of stuff that I had from the past. Like "Patient Zero was like an old grindy song I made, and then just started to um, kind of basically Ryan and I will make demos at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll share them, and then we'll bring them to the space, and then they just they just kind of take the natural shape the way the band, you know. They, it's like there's something very different from making a demo in your room versus when you get into the room with everybody and you start to feel what feels good or what you want to change or you have like a, a moment of inspiration and you want to add something here or take something away. So um, 
I think it's just a matter of like we try to make really complete sounding demos, but those never really end up being what ends up on the record. It ends up becoming something pretty different, and that's what's really fun uh, about you know being in this band. Well, yeah, that's me. that's always kind of a cool organic part of it, right? Once yeah. all five of you were playing it together and yeah. adding your own bits of personality. Yeah, it, it, there's been a lot of times where I think because someone's played a part just a hair bit differently uh-huh. than the way we we presented the song in the first place, that'll maybe change the entire landscape of the song in general. Yeah, we're pretty critical of ourselves, and we've scrapped entire ideas. Yeah, very frequently. For sure, for sure. Right on. All right, well, I'm super excited for uh, our listeners to be able to finally hear the whole album on August 25th. Super cool. Uh, do you guys have tour plans coming up? Nah, nothing right now. It's a hard for us, uh, just for our personal situations, but I hope that like uh, we can make tour plans happen. Um, we do want to you know, do the West Coast, uh, mm-hmm. and then of course want to you know, go where people want to see us. Uh, but it's hard for everybody to tour out there right now, so... Okay. No conference plans right now. It's it's just expensive. It's difficult to get out there, you know? Right. Beyond a tour, do you have any shows coming up locally? Uh, Yeah, we're playing uh, on the 1st in uh, Tacoma at the Spanish Ballroom. And I believe that is with Yob. You guys are playing that. Yeah, that's amazing, Bill. Ludacra, Yob, Helmsley, and... uh, and, you're uh, the Cobra. You're the Cobra. Yeah. Oh yeah, you yeah, want to go to we're... that, folks? That that is a bill. I just saw Yob at uh, Northwest Terror Fest this year. They're amazing. Yes, they yeah. Are. I saw Helms Lee at Barhouse before that yeah. wrapped up. So yeah, no, that bill's all bangers. Yeah, Ludicra is. I think that Ludicra, they're not. Yeah, we saw them at Northwest Terror Fest too. Yeah. This, so, this uh, might be one of, if not their last performance. Yeah, so check it out and do the goof stomp if you go. <laughs> We're counting on you. Fantastic. All right. Well, uh, I had sent an email to the band kind of asking for our listeners, uh, if you're not really familiar with Gundam, like, where's a good place to start? And uh, Joseph, your vocalist, was kind enough to uh, reply first. And he said... uh, He said anything that you guys uh, say differently is totally wrong, and he'll fight you. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, we don't want to instigate and stir up trouble. Yeah, I hate to stir up. You know, that's that's funny because I feel like he would say this whole thing and then maybe punctuate the end with that. (laughs) (laughs) So this is what Joe had to say. My personal recommendation is uh, 8th MS Team. Here's why. It's relatively short, 12 episodes, 30 minutes each. It's in the main storyline, but doesn't contain any main characters, so literally you can go in knowing nothing. It's pretty grounded in reality. It's like a Vietnam War movie with giant robots. It's streaming on Hulu, so it's very accessible. And most of all, our song MS-07, The Goof, is explicitly inspired by episode 10 of this series. The fight sequence is my favorite action sequence in animated television. Other good ideas might be Iron-Blooded Orphans, which is widely available but not part of the main storyline, or 080 War in the Pocket, which is superb but not streaming anywhere legally that I can tell. But he thought that uh, maybe his bandmates might have different opinions. Those are great suggestions, Joseph. They they are. I can't argue with them, but I can only say that um, those are also the most Joseph suggestions. That's, that's what's funny about this franchise. Gundam is like one of those things that has been going, I, I, what did it start? 1970, 
1978. So it's been going for so long and it made so much money that they've just continued almost every year to just put out some sort of new series or some sort of new story. And in that, it's much like Star Wars at this point. There's just different storytelling methods and different contexts and just like there are cute little chibi Hello Kitty Gundam series. Yeah. basically for children it's it can be any sort of thing so it's basically just like what's your taste yeah. okay and ryan said star wars and that's kind of how, what i if i wanted to explain gundam to somebody that's never heard of it i would say it's japan's version of star wars uh it's basically a space opera with a ton of drama between these characters like that are you know dealing with all these different personal conflicts but also caught up in you know intergalactic conflicts um, but it also has this sort of deeper narrative element about war and how, you know, power structures on both sides are filled with good actors and bad actors. And some people are just doing things for their own uh, desires rather than for the greater good, etc. Um, but it really kind of, in I think, Japan, it's kind of like what Japan's answer to Star Wars was in the West. Okay. And there are lightsabers. <laughs> yeah, the gun straight up has it. Just it's, instead of Jedi with lightsabers, it's giant robots with lightsabers. And come on. <laughs> right on. So, Ben, <laughs> where would you tell our listeners to start? Well, I, w- I kind of went for the really the, the straightforward route. You should start at the beginning, but not exactly the beginning. Okay. The s- series began as a television show, um, but the television show in 1978, even for Japanese viewers, wasn't really well received due to some pacing and narrative issues. But the strength of the idea and also just how great the designs were um, and the, the merch that merchandise that came with it kind of saved the series and allowed it to grow into the franchise as we know today. But there's a trilogy of movies that are basically a recap of the original series, the Mobile Suit Gundam movie trilogy. Okay. Uh, I think on Netflix. And they basically consolidate the narrative of that story. Uh, they give you the general, like, you kind of can understand who are the main uh, actors in the original Gundam series. It also sort of just kind of sets the tone for the series as it goes along. And I think that's a great introduction. Um, the next series I would recommend is what's is called Mobile Suit Gundam Origin. I think that's on Hulu. And that's just a recent series that's a prequel series to the original Gundam. And it's just a really great kind of way to sort of flesh out the original story and all of the characters that are established there. Um, and it also has just great like animation and shows like, you know, the kind of stuff you'd really want to nerd out about. Like, what was the first mobile suit? Uh, how was it developed? What was the? <laughs> like, what were the? They show the testing of, of the robots and also like how did you know certain characters end up being as they were? So it's like Star Wars prequel series, but pretty good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but not bad. Okay, just, yeah, that yeah, is like, different. Like straight up awesome, actually. And that series shows the colony drop, the thing our band is named after. That's not in the original series, that's they, but they show it in Origin. And the episode that shows the colony drop is one of the most devastating like episodes of anime I've ever seen. Uh, it just like it's like a heart wrenching, horrible moment. So ex- um, explain colony drop to our listeners real quick. So the the colony drop is basically has to do with a, an incident in the series that sets off a huge war between the Earth Federation and the people living in the space colonies. Pretty, particularly one group called the Principality of the Young. At this time, there's a, a large amount of the human population living in space colonies because the Earth has become, you know, unsustainable. Too um, freaking hot. Yes, yeah, too freaking hot. <laughs> like, 
so there's people living in colonies, but the co- the people living in the colonies, some of them start to develop their own identity um, and want to live independent from the rule of the people who represent the earth. And this basically turns into a lot of political scheming and maneuvers and assassinations of leaders of the colonies that creates this basically uh, conflict between colonies and earth. And uh, one person, uh, Shara Aznable, uh, the kind of main antagonist of the series, sets in, in motion a plan to drop one of these massive colonies onto planet Earth. And he does. And so it causes the impact of the colony uh, decimates like a half of the Earth's population. is basically worse than any kind of nuclear bomb you could ever imagine. And that is the context in which the original Gundam series actually begins. It's in the wake of the drop of the colony and... Um, also, the first ever Gundam is finally developed, and that can change the tide of the war in favor of the Earth Federation. Um, so it's just kind of this atrocity that happens uh, that is the background of this entire series. Okay, side question. Yeah. Did Avengers Age of Ultron rip off Colony Drops when they drop Sokovia <laughs> on uh, Earth? Good question. In the Avengers, because yes. that is what I immediately thought of when I heard about Colony Drops. <laughs> Every colony drop is a ripoff of the Gundam colony drop. <laughs> okay. And they're, they're so, yes. That's funny because Gundam itself has ripped off its own colony drop a couple of times. <laughs> uh, because one, Mega Man does a colony drop, you know, we were talking the other day. So it is, it's right. become a trope. And I think Gundam really established that trope. Right on. So, Ryan, where would you say that our listeners should get started? So my but my opinions are again going to be exceptionally different whereas Joe is kind of the more maybe artful and kind of gritty and Ben is the traditionalist. <laughs> okay, uh, okay. I am the outlier where it's like give me the goofy, give me the really silly or the most uh, hyper-stylized. Because for me, as a kid, I was always about giant robots. It was Voltron, it was Transformers, it was uh, Power Rangers, Megazords. I've always, always, always loved robots. So on uh, Toonami Cartoon Network, there was Gundam Wing, which mm-hmm. was basically the big one that was brought to, to people my age uh, in America. It's the, probably the one that brought Gundam to the West and spread it the furthest. Same here. First for me as well. Okay. And it is taking the whole, because it's about, I think the kids are supposed to be 16 or something. Yeah. It's okay. about these five Ubermensch children. <laughs> They're all super double, triple agents who can <laughs> do insane feats of athleticism, but also know how to hack government computers. And it makes absolutely no sense. There's these really insane super dramatic uh, soap opera scenes of being invited to people's birthday parties and threatening to kill them that's 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 become like an internet meme basically but i also distinctly remember that it had such kick ass music yes the soundtrack is this like crazy mix of like an orchestra with kind of like a like old school earth wind and fire like funk band doing rock <laughs> nice. and there's these wow. big, there's these big uh, Super Nintendo and like Mega Man synths happening the whole time, and and then ripping guitar solos in the middle yeah. of it. It's like it's a really really strange soundtrack that punctuates these absolutely asinine scenes, and it does have a uh, a scene in the end where they try to drop a hunk of a colony onto Earth that is prevented. Actually, it's kind of the the counter to it where the Earthlings stop a colony drop from happening. Oh wow! Okay. 
The other one that I would pick is is G Gundam, which was just as silly. It was basically, I think, Gundam's answer to Dragon Ball and that franchise because it's basically that you pilot a Gundam with your full body, kind of the how, how Pacific Rim they stole the oh, the, the okay. oh yeah verbatim that was stolen from G Gundam. Yeah. yeah, yeah, where you're in a kind of a a full rubber suit that controls the the mech and. Um, it's really silly because every continent has their own Gundam that they send. And some of the names are, like, heinously offensive. <laughs> I believe that Mexico was Tequila Gundam and, oh, <laughs> I, and, like, Africa had Zebra Gundam or something like that. They're, they're all kind of, like, you know, a little on the nose and touchy. But it's really fun and it's really silly and it kind of scratched a, a little kid itch for me. Okay. It also had a really kick-ass theme song. Yeah. Um that's kind of an earworm. A lot. Of, I mean, a lot of these have to do with because Gundam Thunderbolt, which would be my third one, is all about free jazz. That is actually an integral <laughs> part. Is that the hotshot Gundam pilot whoops people's ass while he's blasting free jazz at them, like from uh, Apocalypse Now, basically. Okay. And so if you if you hear hard bop coming at you, you know you're about to get taken out by a sniper. Um, <laughs> okay. And it's it's a modern one, and I think it's a really good entryway because the the animation looks really sleek and very modern, and it's kind of something that a lot of people would kind of expect from modern anime. It um, is really high budget. Uh, it's broken up, I think, into four chunks right now. They're all about forty five minutes to an hour long, and it's really brutal. It takes kind of the the war is hell aspect really far. That both sides you get these really tragic backstories of their their ace pilots are either come from broken homes or their family was taken away from them i believe someone being a uh, quadriplegic is actually a focal point and it's 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 really brutal um and it takes i think a really sobering look at at the war machine really and our kind of fascination with big machines and and military tech and Mm -hmm. it's it's really really well done it is yet unfinished, oh, and wow. it has okay. one of the best Gundam designs of any of the uh, the series in the franchise. There's a, a, a lobster Gundam <laughs> that is used for marine warfare. Actually, that, that's an old school one, I think, though. That's but, the Grapro. But his updated um, for it is so cool. He's so lobstery. It's just fantastic. <laughs> So you, you've mentioned a couple of times the effect that the music from Gundam has had on you. Um, do you ever find the instant to interpolate like a theme into a guitar solo or anything like that in Colony Drops work? Yes. I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know that it's happened consciously. It's probably subconscious. Okay. 100% though, I feel like that is the feeling that I feel like we're going for is that, I don't know. You know, anime music is always kind of hyping you up and making you excited. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, like, I feel like that's that's sort of the uh, driving force behind uh, or some of our musical choices. Yeah, we say grindcore a whole lot, and we'll always talk about thrash or X and Y type of thing, but I don't think that that's exclusively what any of us listen to at all. I actually <laughs> couldn't even think of a time I sat down and listened to a grind record cover to cover in recent memory it's more about the evocation Mm -hmm. that music has and just kind of that that making you want to jump out of your skin and a lot of times i I guess that you know music in cartoons or in television was was designed to do that particularly video games i think too that's had like 
a huge impact on how we, we do music where the music is meant to make you feel like something engaging and intense is happening and making you want to lurch forward and just kind of get invested into it. Yeah. Right on. Well, Brace for Impact absolutely makes me want to jump out of my skin as well. So very well done, gentlemen. All right. Well, uh, one last question. We always ask all of our guests on the show. Uh, let's start with you, Ryan. What pisses you off, man? What pisses me off? I am such a um, a tripwire. I am like a hothead who can be ticked or kind of thrown off by just about every little thing, even though I would call myself a pretty even-kiltered guy. I would say traffic. I get really kind of unhinged uh, in the car just because I, I think that the thing that pisses me off is that people don't realize how life or death or how serious a giant metal vehicle really is. And it makes me kind of sound like a wiener, but because I also live, I love riding motorcycles. So I shouldn't be like, oh. you know, I should be a little bit more fearless, but I, uh, I'd say traffic really, really pisses me off. Yeah. You're not alone, man. That is yeah, the yeah, you're number not the first one to thing. Say that. Oh no, you're not the first to say that. It's funny that we, we have a tendency to create our own hells and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was just talking about this. Like I can't have, have you ever thought about how you can't cross the street? Like, you can't just walk yeah. to a point that you can see because there's traffic there? That's infuriating. There are cars <laughs> me from getting where I need to go. Yeah, that that has – well, I, I grew up uh, where there's a lot more open space, and, and I moved to a suburb that is a grid, and most people get around on bicycles. So I have definitely gotten myself in trouble in places like Los Angeles where I'll go, hey, yeah, I just want to go over there. Oh, dear God. <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> There's like concrete, cloverleaf, tunnel, bridge. I don't even, yeah, I hear you. <laughs> what about you, Ben? What pisses you off? Uh, you know when people go outside and it's sunny? <laughs> that, that <laughs> hold on, hold on, sorry, not that. It's that when people talk about doing that, they inevitably will say, got to get that vitamin D. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and that just makes my blood boil for some reason <laughs> and people do it all the fucking time like that's so oddly specific i know i know it says more about me than them because so many people do it Is that- i must have the problem yeah i just can't believe that that's the thing everybody wants to say when they go on the sun is do you hate other arbitrary idioms too i'm curious i was just gonna ask that like oh the mountain's out today that's another specifically seattle one i actually think that's charming though because like that's not every i don't know i'm guessing seattle's not every day you get in the sun but like i don't know the sun is the fucking center of the galaxy right i mean no. No, <laughs> I mean, our solar system. Maybe that's why I'm mad. Maybe I'm ignorant. And, uh, and I feel like people are, have the wrong idea about the sun, that it's all about their vitamin D. And I just, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm an ass. I'm probably an ass. You know, my oh, favorite what pisses me off are the very, very specific ones that are <laughs> like, that. that is the best kind. It really is. Yeah, no, you guys nailed it. That's awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, again, thank you so much uh, for taking the time to speak with us on the show. We're really excited about the new album, and uh, congratulations on all the great work that you guys have put into this. So uh, why don't you introduce this next tune? All right. Next song is MS-07, The Goof, War is in Session. 
We have a dance for this song. Oh, yes, we do. <laughs> you do? Did oh, I see song. that when I saw you live? Yeah, yeah. The you might stomp. have, and we want everybody to do the goof stomp with us, please. Please stomp. Okay. Goof stomp. I will absolutely join you the next time you guys play. <laughs> That's fantastic. War is in session.
right, we are back. And once again, that was MS07, the goof from Colony Drop off the brand new release. Brace for Impact, Nameless Grave Records, available at all finer record stores as we speak. Right or now. Via Bandcamp at colonydropband.bandcamp.com. That was an amazing sprawling galaxy-wide interview that was that was fantastic so dude it got any weird stuff this week oh man i absolutely i have the weird stuff coming at you from silsby texas a woman was mowing her lawn as they (laughs) do in texas when a snake fell out of the sky landed on her and wrapped around her arm The bizarre incident did not stop there. Peggy Jones, the lawn-mowing, snake-wielding woman in question, was then attacked by a hawk. (laughs) She was on her tractor mowing when all of a sudden this snake fell, wrapped around her arm, and started squeezing, in her words, so hard. So she started waving her arms in the air, and then the hawk swooped in and began clawing at her arm, just tore the heck out of her forearm at which point she did what all good Texans would do. She began waving her arm over her head, running around and screaming, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus, help me, Jesus. Probably the wrong deity to pray to in that situation. I'm thinking, Ra? I don't know. There's, there's definitely hawk and snake gods that could have got involved at that point. The hawk eventually ripped the snake from her arm and flew away with it. She went to the hospital and was treated for some really gnarly lacerations. I saw pictures and uh, yipes. Yeah, that hawk, it went to town on her arm. Let me tell you, folks, if a hawk drops a snake, you just need to give the snake back. Don't implore any, any divine assistance. Just hand the snake back to the hawk and then move on your way. Alternatively... Toss the snake somewhere where the hawk can't get it. But you do not want to get involved. You do not want to be between a hawk and his snake. And that, that is Gord's weird stuff. Well, it was funny because I actually, I've heard this story. Uh, It was posted by the doom metal band Conan from England, from the UK. And they (laughs) posted this because they have a song called Hawk as a Weapon. And they said, see, I told you. (laughs) 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 Which I thought was funny. But... It's also interesting, have you ever taken a look at the Mexican flag? Well, sure. The Mexican flag is an eagle eating a snake. Mm -hmm. And the legend is that the Aztecs were looking for a place to build their city. And when they saw the eagle eating the snake on a lake, they knew that that was the spot. And that was where they built what would become Mexico City. So some might say that this was some sort of Mexican revenge on Texas that eagles are flying in and dropping snakes on the populace of Texas. Some might think that. Well, some others might think that uh, it has more to do with the hawk David from the Gunslinger series that was used as a weapon. (laughs) Don't they have in the South there is uh, different religions where snakes are part of their religious ceremony? Oh, sure. Snake church. Yeah. Passing yeah. the snake around. What? Sure. What passing say? this. What? Passing, you said fastest snake around. I said passing the snake around. <laughs> fastest snake around is probably the snake as it reached terminal velocity falling from that hawk. 
We're being shot out of a snake cannon by Jamie Ooh. Gower. <laughs> yes. Or was it? Was it? I no, believe it was, it was a, a cobra. It was a, sh- it was a snake uh, crossbow, wasn't it? I remember that the snake was being shot at a speed. It had to be. It couldn't be a crossbow because it was being shot at a speed that the original speed would rip the snake apart. And so he had to like that's right tone he down the to, speed yeah, he until he could find one back. that would make sense for full snake impact. Because you want the snake to be, like in this case, you want the snake to be mobile and hostile when it delivers its payload. I don't know. I, I think I just want to stay completely out of the business of snakes. Let let the snakes do what the snakes are going to do. The snakes doing their business? Yeah. And I, you know, I'm pro-snake. I'm all about the snake, but we don't necessarily need to be mixing like that. <laughs> right on. All right, uh, well, why don't we listen to another tune from Colony Drop? Let's do it. This is their Metroidvania-style tune from Brace for Impact, the Clockwork Grip. Just fix. Corridors 
Hey, this is Ryan from Colony Drop. And this is Ben from Colony Drop. And you're listening to The The Bone Bone Bash Bash Show. Show. All right, we are back once again. That was Clockwork Grip from Colony Drop. I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, you can find their stuff at colonydropband.bandcamp.com. So, dude, you got any uh, multimedia triage candidates for this week? Oh, man, I'm telling you, this... This really is the pinnacle of culture for me because this week was the 10th anniversary of Sharknado where you could <laughs> go see it in a theater. Did that, and then after this podcast, just two days from now, I will be attending the County Demolition Derby. So this is just the best. Sharknado on the big screen, the original Sharknado, not one of the sequels, Oh, my that movie makes absolutely no sense. It is so full of wonderfully terrible acting and and utter nonsense. We saw this in a theater where it was my group of friends and one other group. It was like four adults and a teenager that was very specifically adamant that she did not want to attend this. And they took her anyway. And she loved it. Crazy. So if you get a chance to see the 10th anniversary Sharknado in a theater on the big screen, you definitely got to do that. (laughs) Okay. I don't know why you don't love these movies, Steve, because (laughs) they're fantastic. (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay. Okay. They're not fantastic. I I, I get enjoying them for the silliness of the whole thing, but under no way, shape, or form are these fantastic examples of cinema. (laughs) What do you know about cinema? I have a film festival. I know a thing. Or two. Okay. <laughs> and perhaps you have, I don't know, a degree in it. But still, Sharknado. Oh, my God. Ah, uh, You know what else you like? You like Nick Cage. And I saw Sympathy for the Devil. And I know I've given you a lot of crap about Mandy because it's a terrible movie. Um, but... <laughs> longer think you're allowed to call things good or terrible after yeah. your Sharknado, Sharknado conversation that fantastic. is still hanging in the air like a word bubble from a cartoon. <laughs> like a <word> bubble. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like a fart. <laughs> I think your taste is questionable for the rest of this episode, but go ahead. Okay, sure. Want. Yes, Mandy did have Nick Cage going nuts, and, and that, that part of that awful movie was fun, but Sympathy for the Devil he was great. He was so good. He just chewed up every line. It was essentially, did you see the movie Locke? No. Tom Hardy takes place almost entirely in a car. Uh-uh. Okay. I did not see that. All right. Well, then the comparison will be lost on you. <laughs> Most of this movie takes place in, the, in a car akin to Locke. And Nick Cage is the guy that's kidnapped the driver. The driver of this car has a very important place to be. His wife is about to give birth. He gets to the hospital. She's in labor. Nick Cage gets in the car and says, drive. Oh, he's so good. You should definitely see this movie. Another movie I took in, which was wonderful for other reasons, Valley of the Dead, which came out in 2020. You can see it on Netflix. You don't have to go out of your house like these other things I'm talking about. (laughs) Right on. It's a Spanish film from Spain, and the the setup is it's during the Spanish Civil War, and there's a group of communists and a group of fascists, which are obviously mortal enemies during this time, and they are thrown together and must 
work together to fight the Nazi zombies that keep happening. I don't know why we keep letting Nazis make zombies, but we do. In addition to being a fun zombie movie, it's a cool glimpse into a whole different... I don't know what to call it. I don't want to say culture. That's way too big a word. But it's it's like there's different memes and different opinions because the fascists and the communists are just constantly quipping back and forth at each other about, you know, wow, what all you fascists believe, what all you communists believe. And since I don't really have a dog in that fight, it's fun just to, to listen to them bag on each other. So <laughs> okay. check out Valley of the Dead if you want to see a fun zombie movie. And, you know, movies from Spain have a tendency to be pretty nuts and fantastic as it is. So that's a whole other reason they do if we've out. learned anything from vetting spanish shorts over the years that mm-hmm. come to our festival a lot of times the craziest stuff is out of spain and it's a lot of fun so cool i will definitely check out that uh, i caught a couple of horror movies myself uh have you yeah this movie talk to me that's in theaters right now heard of it want to see it haven't watched it so yet. I, I feel like i saw a trailer for this like a year ago does that sound right and i had completely forgotten yeah about it, it. it was like there and like then, a hint of it and then gone and all of a sudden it's in the theater right so we're, there's one weekend that we were looking to go see a movie and my daughter's like oh uh you know the the times didn't work out for a couple other things we wanted to see and she's like oh we could go see talk to me and i'm like what well, whatever no it's a horror movie it's in the theaters now it's people are talking about it I'm like, yeah, I, I don't know. And then I'm watching it, and 10 minutes into it, I'm like, oh, yeah, this movie. <laughs> so uh, the the story is uh, a group of teenagers get together. Uh, they, they've seen some memes where people essentially grab this uh, ceramic hand and sh- basically kind of sh- grip it. And you grip the hand, and the inside of the hand is like a dead witch's hand or something that was encased in ceramics and so you're able to speak to the dead when you do this and so it makes you kind of go into like a uh, seizure and then if you don't go over 90 seconds or two minutes or something then you can pop out of the seizure and you're fine and it feels really great and it's an exciting thing but if you go too long you can bring the dead back with you Uh and so that's the whole theme of the thing and you've seen movies like this before like simple plan and other horror movies where it just feels like nothing good is going to come of this it kind of has an air of foreboding to it definitely a fun movie i enjoyed it and uh it, it was well done i liked it quite a bit uh the second film that i saw is uh the last voyage of the demeter or demeter i guess you saw the whole movie and you don't know the name of the boat? <laughs> well, they say Demeter in the film, but that seems like a weird pronunciation. It's supposed to be a Russian boat or in London. I don't know you'd pronounce it Demeter. That seems weird to me. But anyway. You so, couldn't even uh, pronounce Tacitus as earlier in this podcast. This because it's Tacticus. Oh. Anyway, uh, so knowing the story of Dracula as you do at you one do. point uh, in the story of Dracula, he leaves carpathia to come to london and all of his boxes of dirt in his coffin are boxed up and taken aboard a ship which arrives in london and that voyage aboard the ship arrives in london with dracula aboard it uh but it's a ghost ship that floats into the harbor in london the only sign of any people on it is the dead corpse of the captain who's lashed to the wheel And so this is the story of that voyage from the villagers loading the boxes onto the ship 
to its arrival in London. And uh, it's fun. It's well done. It was directed by Andre Overdahl, who was the director of Troll Hunter. Awesome movie. I love, love that it. movie. Yeah. Also, The Autopsy of Jane Doe. Huh. Totally different type of movie. Also an awesome movie. Have you seen that one? I have not seen that one. That's that's one of those ones I always have meant to see, and I haven't. Oh, it's a slow burn. It's freaking great. So when I when I found out that this was the guy that directed those, I was all about it. Anyway, it's a very straightforward film. I mean, if you know that story, it's very linear, and it delivers. There's not a lot of fat on it. And uh, one of the things that's kind of interesting about it, though, is in its bones, it's basically alien on a ship. Yeah, that's what the that's what it looked like in the in the previews. Instead of an alien, it's Dracula. But I've got you know quite a bit of mileage that I can put into that kind of a thing. So <laughs> right, I'm totally fine with it. Uh, it was a good time. I enjoyed it. I'd say check it out. Right on. Yeah, planning definitely planning on checking out that movie, regardless of how the name of the the ship is pronounced. <laughs> Speaking of nautical, not only did I watch Sharknado. I watched The Meg 2, The yeah, Trench. how was it? Is it good? It is. I wanted I mean, it to it, be good. I actually enjoyed The Meg. I thought it If was you fun. enjoyed The Meg, it you'll enjoy this movie. Yeah, it's Jason Statham and a giant freaking, you know, prehistoric shark. What else do you need to know? <laughs> yeah, that seems I mean, if, fun. I if that know. seems fun to you, you'll like it. If, if you want movie. something else, don't go see this movie. Yeah. Yeah, it was a blast. And I don't know, the... I mean, this was essentially a movie that was made for China. This was, you know, America was not the primary market for that. And so seeing how that affects a movie, you know, coming from a, a perspective of a guy who watches a lot of movies and has a film festival, that was interesting to me because probably less English is spoken in this movie than Chinese. And all of the villains are Western. <laughs> right on. And, uh, funny. yeah. And there's some things like the lout at the bar is obviously going to be an American guy. And if the, you know, the, the Chinese tourists are, are killed, they're, they're basically an intact body laying there. But if it's, if it's a Western person, oftentimes they're just torn all to shit. And you know, there's there's a lot of things that the, the Chinese censors don't like, and it's it's interesting to sort of see the way this movie tiptoed around them. I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying it's interesting, and it, you can totally ignore all that and just watch Jason Statham and a big freaking shark. Well, it's funny because I that reminded me of that movie Skyfire that came out in 2019, and it was a film about like it's basically Jurassic Park in a volcano that all of these like people were coming to this resort and it was inside a volcano. Of course, the they've been warned, don't build the resort in the volcano. Don't do build a resort in a volcano. Right. And then it starts, you know, exploding and and madness ensues. But that was another one that was all in Mandarin and uh most of the actors were from China, but uh, it had Jason Isaacs was like the heavy in it. So, uh Draco Malfoy's dad, right, in Harry yeah. Potter. <laughs> so he was like like the one big bad that was in the film. But it was clearly also made for a, a Chinese audience. So it's kind of interesting when those are making money in both places. That's good, good for good filmmaking. For, if the filmmakers are making money, that is a thing that I am for. Because then they make more movies. And right. we like more movies. And we like more movies. Yes. 
Speaking uh, what of else? more movies. Yes, Steve. You may have thought back in the day when you were watching Metalocalypse that there weren't going to be any more of those movies. Nope, there are no more. It's done, recently, right, Steve? It was announced that on August 22nd, Metalocalypse Army of the Doomstar was going to be released. And uh, we got an advanced copy thanks to the Adrenaline PR. And uh, by was, we, we mean Steve. Yes, Steve got I mean, specifically me. And uh, man, Army of the Doomstar, freaking great. It's everything I would have wanted wrapping up that story. You want to watch a Doomstar Requiem first, which was that little hour long movie that came out previously where the band is having all kinds of personal problems and Toki Wartooth gets kidnapped by their former guitarist and insanity ensues. Uh, it takes place right from the end of that film. So the two are of a piece and, uh, it's great. The music's awesome. Uh, again, from Brendan Small, a lot of great new tunes, a lot of silly humor as, you know, Metalocalypses want to have, uh, oh, yeah. as well as some really great looking animation, Gord. They did what's called an ink tank to do like the skies, like if there's a roiling sky or a storm. Yeah. They actually created an ink tank and did like a bunch of shooting of different color inks in a pool and then put that into the film. And oh, that's so cool. Freaking cool, right. That's like, such a like 70s way to right. do things. Talk about going just above and beyond what you need to do in an animated film. It looks great. It's funny. It's only maybe 75 minutes long. Great music uh, and a great way to wrap up the entire Metalocalypse saga. So, uh, long live death clock i also got to hear death clock four the fourth cd of tunes so i think three or four of these tunes are played in the film and then there's some extra songs as well and it's crushing and catchy and all the things that i love from brendan small's music he has a great ear for melody in metal and i've just always really appreciated how catchy and uh you know if you're interested in trilogies uh mermaider three <laughs> is one of the songs on Death Clock 4. So uh, that's pretty cool. There's also uh, Horse of Fire. I don't know if that is a sequel to Ghost Horse and Thunder Horse, if that's also a trilogy. I'm not 100% sure. But uh, both of those songs slap, as the kids say today. So <laughs> Did the kids still say that? I think they say that. Okay. But, uh, yeah, Death Clock 4 is uh, freaking cool, and it comes out the same day, I think, August 22nd. So uh, if you're a fan at all of... Brendan Small's work, Metalocalypse and Death Clock, pick it up. It's great. Right on. Speaking of animation, I watched Invincible Adam Eve, which oh, is just more the, Invincible Adam. I didn't even know that. The, yeah, the new season is coming soon, and uh, Adam Eve is a standalone, one-hour-long episode, which is uh, her, hor her horror story, her origin story, not to be confused with her horror story. So if you're into Invincible and you're looking forward to the next season, you should check out uh, Adam Eve. It is absolutely in the vein of the original series, and it is probably uh, important to know for when the next season comes out. Right on. And I think that's about it. That's that's about all I got. I mean, well, we're probably not going to do a live broadcast of me at the Demolition Derby at the county fair. So <laughs> we we got no more. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Did I tell you I went and saw Fishbone in Parliament Funkadelic? That's wild. That was freaking cool. 
they're touring together right now for like the next month. So if you have a chance to go see them, go see them. George Clinton spends a lot of his time sitting on a stool. I think this is going to be his last tour. So go see this band play if you haven't before he stops touring because it is an amazing evening of music. And Fishbone, holy shit, even with just like a nine-song truncated set, they still freaking killed it. They're just as great as they always were. Super lively, super animated, incredible to see live. So uh, check that bill out, folks. It's, it's awesome. Right on. That's almost a school of Sharknado right there. All right, well, <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> you going to let me say that? <laughs> As uh, Fishbone says, what's wrong with y'all? <laughs> All right, uh, why don't we listen to a tune before we end this thing? This is another one from Colony Drop and their brand new release, Brace for Impact. This is Supplicant.
All right, once again, that was Supplicant from Colony Drop off their brand new release, Brace for Impact via Nameless Grave Records. All right, uh, well, why don't we wrap this up, Gord? Thanks Steve, again. let's wrap this up. Thanks again to Ryan and Ben for joining us on the show. Uh, again, Colony Drops, Brace for Impact is out now. Pick it up. ColonyDropBand.BandCamp.com or finer record stores everywhere. And catch them live in Tacoma in the Spanish Ballroom, a great place to see a show. By the way, I saw a concert there, uh, Cavalera Brothers playing uh, Sepultura tunes like a year ago last summer with uh, Cephalic Carnage, another fantastic show. So Spanish Ballroom is a great sight lines, sounds great in there cool place to see a gig and that bill is just nuts so if there's still tickets available find a way to go damn damn uh, our usual bullshit you can reach the show at 425-296-6557 or via email to steve at bonehand.com we have new content on bonehand.com every once in a while it's also the home of the heavy half hour and you can find my stuff at mightywombat.com uh, we're also over on Facebook and on the Instagram and occasionally on threats. That's right. Uh, I'm also on Instagram. I'm Bonehand over there. And uh, if you like what we do, please spread the word and tell a friend. And one final announcement. The 13th Bonebat Comedy of Horrors Film Fest will take place at Seattle Sif Egyptian Cinema on April 13th, 2024. That's right. The 13th on April 13th. Bum, bum, Save bum. the date. Save it. Also, filmmakers, uh, be aware that our call for submissions is open now. So if you have a horror film, a comedy film, or some mixture of the two, we'd love to see it. We've got a screen. You've got movies. Let's make this thing happen. You can find our call for submissions at filmfreeway.com. Just search for Bone Bat. You won't have any problem finding it. Our last tune tonight from Colony Drop. Gord, why don't you pick this one? Ah, let's. You know what I'm going to pick, and that's the guillotine. Oh, Every time. You're always living on the edge, Gord. Oh, I see what you did there. <laughs> Thanks again for joining us. Once again, this is Steve. This is Gord. Have a good one. I do have a good one.
Steve is hot, man. I got to drink more fluids. Yeah? Yeah. I took a pee. It looked like hate mail from my kidneys. <laughs>